You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Denver Hoops and Dreams, and we have a very special episode today. We have a very special guest on here today, Mr. Harrison Wind, but like I said before, um, this is Denver Hoops and Dreams. I'm your host, Jeremy Nichols. Nelson Newth is in the building as usual. Jack Balsley is in the building as usual. And Harrison, there's something that we do here before we go into anything basketball related, before we start talking about how Nikola Jokic is, in fact, the best player in the NBA. Before we make statements like that, I want to make sure we find out how everybody is doing today. And let's start off with you today, Harrison. How's your day going? Obviously, it's Friday going into the weekend. How's your week been? I had no idea it was Friday, to be honest. I have no <laughs> idea what day of the week it is. Um, it's either a game or an off day. But yeah. um, nah, man, I'm, I'm doing incredible. I'm still hyped after last night's win. I'm exhausted, but... I mean, this is the playoffs. This is this is what we prep all regular season for. So I'm still going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nelson, talk to us, man. How, how's your week going? Yeah, man, I'm doing great, too. I don't, I don't know if you're uh, in Nuggets Nation, how you can't be ecstatic right now. Right. And um, it, it felt like a tense uh, game last night. I think we all knew it would be a different game. Um, than the first one and it was and um i was i was intense like one of my buddies that i was watching it with he's like dude calm down and i'm like (laughs) man this this is serious stuff right here so yeah no i'm feeling great it's great to be on and appreciate harrison being on with us as well absolutely jack talk to us man yeah doing good to your point it's nice i mean i bring it up every time but it's nice and sunny get to go outside can't really complain nuggets are crushing it um especially because i got my mom and girlfriend are from la so they can kind of their family okay. have been kind of talking <laughs> smack so uh, i'm feeling pretty cocky around the household and, and at family gatherings but yeah doing great man absolutely absolutely well i mean listen guys this uh this is cool you know, I mean, we, we, we talk about it all the time, just having the opportunity to get on here and just 
talk about the Nuggets, right? And and yes, we all do our live tweeting thing. We all talk about the games as they're happening, and we kind of go through the motions, um, you know. And of course, going back to last night, the Nuggets did in fact go up 2-0 in the series against the Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, we're just going to talk about this just in some more detail here. I'll tell you guys really what what I saw, and then I'll I'll find out just just what you guys were going through personally because. The game was interesting. Okay, Um, I think all of us predicted that the game would be a lot more intense than than the majority of what game one was. The the Nuggets went up over 20 plus in game one and were essentially coasting throughout up until um, this quote unquote adjustment that uh, Darvin Ham and the Lakers decided to make with Rui Hachimura. And, you know, we kind of had to deal with the media talking about how this was the Jokic stopper. Or this was the method where they could make Jokic um, just invisible in the game plan. And, you know, a lot of Laker fans ran with that. And, you know, you saw the tweets, you saw the trolls, all this stuff. They run with these things. So for me, I'll tell you guys, man, the biggest thing that that I took from game two personally is the fact that I think Bruce Brown is amazing, man. Like, and I'm going to keep talking about this because he is the one player that um, that I just like he took that challenge of you could see him he's talking to the bench and i think just seeing that moment um with him and and d'angelo russell because he said something to about d'angelo russell prior um to game two but what i didn't know was the reason why the nuggets did that right i didn't know why they were going at him in particular until i saw a clip of d'angelo russell talking about um the nuggets in the bubble right when the nuggets were playing the utah jazz And he brought up the fact that the Utah Jazz were going at Michael Porter Jr. And they were using him as like they were trying to go directly at him to get him out of the game. Because, of course, you know, we've heard over the years his lack of defensive prowess and things like that. But he brought up his name and he was pretty much laughing like, listen, man, I don't don't ever want to be that type of player where you can take them off the floor based on their defense. So now I understand why the Nuggets picked on him and they were like, you know what? That's the guy we're going to go at to get him off the floor. I didn't know that up until this morning, but now I understand it. And I love the fact that Bruce Brown went at him. Harrison, you being in you being in the building, you being around the, the coaches, the coaching staff, the players, um, what's the feel like that you saw? And, I, and obviously I heard questions that you were asking coach and stuff last night um, doing the, the post-game press conference. But what did you see just personally, just by the feel of what you see from the players and the coaches? Um, I mean, what, what I saw last night is kind of what I've seen all playoffs. This is a team that is incredibly confident and they're wondering why nobody else thinks they're as good as they think they are. Right. And that's where a lot of the stuff is coming from when it comes to Michael Malone calling the national media out, Jamal mm-hmm. Murray doing the same thing, even Nicole Jokic a little bit last night, which was interesting. Yeah. But, um, The Nuggets all season, they've been the number one seed since December. They've been, I think, the best team in the league throughout really the entire year. I feel like they've sat back and watched, you know, pretty quietly as, you know, nobody's paid any attention to them. Nobody's really regarded them as the favorite, not just in the West, but to win the NBA championship. Yeah. Even though they've been, quote unquote, the number one seed, the best team in the league for most of the year. Uh, They have the back-to-back MVP. They have 
you know, this great starting five. And I think the Nuggets have felt disrespected all season from the lack of attention that they've received. And last night and these playoffs have just kind of been all that stuff bubbling through and all of that yeah. coming out because this is the team that the Nuggets thought they had. This is the team that they thought they've had or that they would have, you know, at this point going back three seasons when Jamal Murray tore his ACL. This is what they expect it to look like. So I just think they're taking a bit of a victory lap right now and saying we're the we knew how good we were and, and nobody else did. And kind of you guys are on the wrong side of history. So I feel like that's my that's my biggest takeaway coming out of everything that was said last night. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Jack, talk to us. What were you what were you seeing last night um, while watching a game? Obviously, I know how exciting the ending was, but just yeah. what, were we, what were your thought processes of just kind of going through the game? I mean, I was kind of nervous in the third quarter, not going to lie. Not that I thought <laughs> – I of course, I don't think that they were like down and out because of how resilient this team has been, but I can't remember if it was 12 or 13 that the Lakers got up by, maybe 11, something 11, like that. 11, I think, yeah. 11. Mm -hmm. Um. So that, I mean, to that point, I was kind of like, it was less about like shocked and horrified that they were down and more just kind of like, how are they going to answer? And boy, did they, I mean, the, the three started draining in. And the first thing I thought was, was all the comments about, you know, especially on Twitter of all the Lakers fans saying, oh, well, this is never going to happen again. They can't shoot like that. And so that's exactly, of course, in the first half, it seemed like they didn't, but in the second half, that's exactly what they did. And they, they showed why they're as good of a team as they are. And, you know, Jamal went crazy in, in the fourth quarter with 23 points. And I think I read something on Twitter. I, I did not verify it. So don't, I might be wrong, but apparently Jamal Murray has had the most fourth quarter, 20 point game, like 20 points in the fourth quarter. In Since NBA 97? history, in NBA history, wow. Okay, so he's wow. had the most amount total. Yeah, fourth quarter twenty point game, or yeah, fourth quarter twenty point games. So, you know, kind of, it's just crazy. It's been crazy. I don't know why Jeff Green still plays, but I'm just going to quickly talk through that. Um, <laughs> but you know, I just, <laughs> I just think that uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, he's been kind of iffy. I saw that they, I mean, they were taking him out a little bit, but. You know, MPJ was – it was more about they shot the exact shots they needed to when it mattered most. And I know we've been seeing that the whole season, but I just think that it really amplified this game because they're down by 11. MPJ drains a three. Murray drains a three. You know, like those kind of sequences were just exactly what they needed when, you know, Jokic was garbage with only nine for 21. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, so disappointing. But, you know, the team again, I have, I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. They're just resilient. Absolutely. Nelson, talk to us, man. A lot, a lot of things to take in. I, I, um, at one point during the game, I looked at the stat sheet and I said, uh, somebody else has got to step up. And at that point, Murray was, I believe, 3 of 15. Mm -hmm. um, I looked at the stats again the next time, and he was 8 of 20. So he hit his next five shots. Um, and for anyone thinking that Jamal was not going to be consistent um, throughout the process, this answered that call 100%. Um, it did have a feel, didn't it, of the second game against Phoenix where they struggled throughout mm -hmm. most of the game and then came around in the fourth quarter and responded. And, and that included Jamal, who was struggling in that game, too, at home, 
had a tough night shooting, then came back, hit a couple shots when they needed him to. Um, so it felt a lot like that. I felt like also, um, and this could be something to comment about, you know, I took a deep sigh when I heard that Tony Brothers was going to be the ref, <laughs> um, yeah. really. And I thought I thought the whole league and the, and the refs uh, were against the Nuggets pretty much the entire game. Uh, again, once I saw the stats were ridiculously favoring the Lakers from the free throw line um, and the Nuggets weren't getting obvious calls. Uh, it was pretty upsetting. It felt to me like the Nuggets were playing against the refs and the Lakers. Um, and they fought through that. And I knew if they could keep it close, you know, within that five to six points going into the fourth quarter, um, that they would be in a good position to still win the game. But I was anxious and nervous on the edge of my seat thinking, we got to win this. Like, we got to figure out a way to win at home. And they did it, so. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah. No, they 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 did for sure. Um, and even going back to just the first quarter, right? And I actually tweeted about it the second I saw it. Um, there was a play on one side offensively for the Nuggets where Michael Porter was basically, he was basically hit going up with the ball. There was no call. Went down on the other side. And then he got a foul call on him because, of course, we saw he got two early calls, right? And then you can you can visibly see him say he's pointing at the other side of the court and he said, if that's not a foul, this can't be a foul. Right. So he's like he's basically comparing it because he felt the difference because he's like, man, I got hit. But then this happened on this end. And no, you know, and then you call a foul on me. So, um, Harrison, I actually wanted to bring that up, too, because I wanted to see um, how do you see like certain players, certain coaches, how are they taking, um, like, do they see the same things that we do in terms of the referees? Do, do they feel the same way? Like when a game is being called by a certain group of people, do they get worried about certain things as well as, as how we do as fans, or is it just something that we kind of just make up in our head? (laughs) Um, I mean, I would generally say that every, team thinks they're getting job by the officials in every playoff game (laughs) Um, that's just what every team thinks i mean i will say the six first six minutes of game two were ridiculous they're gonna call for six fouls in the first six minutes of the game two on mpj two on christian brown two on contavious caldwell or two on uh yeah contavious caldwell pope three of the nuggets like eight rotation guys already you know, in foul trouble in the first six minutes. So that was a little weird. I thought that that was interesting. Um, I mean, generally, like I said, I, I think every, every team thinks they're getting the wrong end of the whistle every game. Right. right for sure. Um, I, but I do think it's, it's something that we, we feed into a little more than is actually there in reality. But, but Harrison, I I do want to talk to that point too. And and my question to you also is. Oops, hold on. Nelson, uh, 
We lost Nelson yes. for a second there. Suspenseful question. Sorry, sorry. There you go. I was going to say Scott Foster came down and cut you off your wife. <laughs> yeah, <he did. laughs> my, my second favorite uh, referee in the league, Scott, is a buddy of mine, actually. Just kidding. Um, so, no, I was going to ask, though, I think where this comes from, too, is the fact that um, Nicola doesn't get the calls, Harrison. and. Oh, yeah. Um, when we see like Joel Embiid go to the free throw line 10 times a game and, and Nicola seems to never get the benefit of the doubt. And then when he does sell a call, then it's, you know, oh, he's flopping or he's this. And I feel like, Hey man, the only way the guy gets a call is if he is accentuating what happens to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were several times last night where I thought he did not get, uh, the benefit of the doubt. And and I think that's where that stems from. It's like, come on, man. He's a two-time MVP, clearly one of the better players in the league, but he still doesn't get any calls. And I also wonder if that's maybe his methodical movements, but um, what is your take on that? No, I think you're right. I think when it comes to Nikola Jokic, yeah, it's definitely something that he doesn't get the foul calls that other stars do. He doesn't get the respect from the officials. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at it right now. He's attempting 6.8, almost seven free throws per game in these playoffs. Malik Monk attempted more free throws per game. Yeah. Wow. Um, So (laughs) he doesn't get the respect he deserves from officials. Absolutely. That, That definitely is the case with him. And I mean, I think there are a lot of things that probably go into it. Um, I, I, I mean, I, he doesn't. He, if you look at like a Giannis and Embiid, they they just have like this. They're known as these like physical type players that attack the rim and just like are so athletic and impossible to guard. It's the stigma around them then. Yeah, I think that's something with it. They're impossible to guard. And, oh, of course they must be getting fouled inside. That's why they miss shots. (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't know the answer. but like, I mean, Giannis goes into the lane, and you you can guarantee every single time he's going to get a foul call. Same with Harden used to be that way. Um, There's certain players they just get the benefit of the doubt, and he doesn't, and it drives me crazy. Yeah. But no, I think I think you're exactly right when it comes to Jokic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Jack, um, is there anything is there anything that that like stood out to you in particular last night? Um, not just a particular player, but just the way that the game was just you know just kind of going from start to finish. Is there anything that that you looked at and you were like, hmm, that's interesting? Well, I mean, I tweeted it. You would, if you looked at the statute, you would have thought Austin Reeves had four, 50, 40 points based on how much the camera panned to him. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, at, at the same, I, I just, it is kind of that overarching theme of, of media. But I just think that, you know, shout out to Peyton Manning for being in the house. Um, I guess that was my biggest takeaway. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I just thought, we saw the Anthony Davis who should really be studied in a lab because the, the his shooting every other game is the, the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll go for 40 and then he'll go for, I'm not counting this. I mean, you got to count free throws, but not counting his free throws. He scored nine points. Um, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so then there's that. So, yeah. so then there's that. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just think, you know, their home court advantage 
is just something you really can't take lightly. I think that they just utilize that so heavily and they're really fueled by that, that it's just, it's such a big impact in these playoffs. And that's why I'm very curious to see them in LA. That'll be kind of their biggest test because I, I saw that of the four teams remaining, the Celtics are the only ones to not be undefeated at home. Yeah. So that, I mean, with that fact, it's just, you don't know how the Nuggets will, or it's less about, you don't know how the Nuggets will perform and more about how much more elevated are these Lakers going to be in Los Angeles. So I think that home court, man, I just, I mean, I even felt it just watching, you know, I hate that it's on ESPN and not TNT, but the ESPN broadcast of just how, uh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we can go into those announcers, but I mean, that's its own thing, but you know, just, you can hear the excitement in the building. And I know that's a, you know, very common talking point, so I won't go too into it, but I just think that's really kind of, that still stands out to me, especially now. This is the first time I think, what was it since 90, whatever the last time they went to the, or 2009, since there's been a conference finals in Denver uh, because of the bubble. So I just think, you know, everybody's really feeling it. Yeah, no, it's, it's been pretty cool. Go ahead, Nelson. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the amazing part too, for me is um, watching LeBron James um, seemingly look old. Um, And, and again, you look at his stat line and it's still pretty darn impressive, right? I mean, yeah. Um, pretty. I think he was an assist away from a triple double. And, pretty close. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's just a freak of nature, right? 38 years old. He's still amazing. But 0 for 6 from the three point line. And you could tell that he he looked a little bit tired. And maybe I'm exaggerating on this one, but it felt to me like he wasn't his normal um, kind of take over the end of the game kind of us. And then to, go up and have that steal and the ball kind of fall out of his hands was one of those moments where you just like in disbelief, like, did that really happen? And so, um, and then like, you know, Jack talked about, you've got um, AD who had a, one of his classic turnaround crappy games um, and uh, Huchamora who just was amazing. All right. Nelson, you good? Oh, <laughs> it <happens>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm get I'm getting work calls right now. So, anyways, okay. um, I apologize for that. But, uh, um, so, anyways, yeah. Going back to LeBron, I just wonder, do you what do you guys think about him and his performance last night? All um, I I thought he definitely looked tired. He definitely looked old. He looked fatigued. I mean, do you guys remember the play where he? flopped into the first row (laughs) yeah and then then he got the towel he got the towel and said thank you to the person who gave it to him he got he got like the the vodka soda (laughs) spilt on him and then he got the towel (laughs) and he took like 10 minutes to get back up and then walked the ball up the floor and just like stood at the top of the key dribbled and just shot a three and missed like that was the (laughs) ultimate like wow, LeBron is tired right now. Like yeah, he's fatigued, yeah. man. And I'm sure the one day off in between series had to do with it. You know, the Lakers expended a ton of energy to get back in that game in the fourth quarter of Game One. You have the altitude factor. You have the short turnaround. Um, like all of that contributed, and I agree, LeBron looked tired. And 
I felt like he kind of gave the game away shooting all those threes in the second half. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I the, Nug- the Lakers had the Nuggets on their heels and then Denver got that little run. I think it was end of the third quarter. Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. LeBron just started settling. And I mean, when, when guys settle for threes like that, I look at, I look at that like they're tired. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, and of course, you know, you guys have all t- uh, touched on it. We saw something last night that I'm I'm curious to see if any of you guys are surprised by these moments with Jamal Murray now. Right. Because we've seen this in the past. This is not the first time. We're not just talking about just a bubble. Right. Even going back to the 2019 playoffs against the San Antonio Spurs in the first round. Jamal Murray, I believe it was game one, but don't quote me on that. But I, it, I believe it was game one against the Spurs. Jamal Murray was not playing very well, right? He just was not. But all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, he like it was just he just went absolutely ballistic. Like he has a highlight of of I believe about two minutes worth of just shots made in one quarter against the Spurs. Like you can YouTube that. Like from that moment, I knew that Jamal Murray was that type of player. So for me, going into the bubble the year after that, I was not surprised that he had that capability. Um, you know, like I mentioned on, on, a, on a previous show that we've done, there was a game where he had this was pre-injury, but where he had played against the Phoenix Suns. And I believe he had zero points in the first half. Like it was just something unbelievable. And then all of a sudden he ended the game with 36. Right. Like Jamal Murray does this. Right. So he's and I think it was so funny because, you know, I do a lot of live tweeting and I may I, I said it last night. I was like, man, like I'm seeing there's a lot of selfish tendencies happening right now. Like Jamal moved the ball around. And the second I said that, all of a sudden, Jamal Murray said, you know what? All right. Twenty three straight points or twenty three points in the fourth quarter. Um, seeing the graphic where he outscored the entire Laker team in the last 10 minutes is insane. Right. Like that just by one player by themselves. Are any of you guys surprised at all? Jack, I'm going to start with you. Are you surprised at all when you see Jamal Murray not play well at the beginning of a game, but then just go off in a quarter? I mean, yes and no. I would say that he's definitely shown it. And I, and I've even talked about this a couple times on here about just like he it seems like sometimes he just has to keep throwing up shots, even if they're not going in. Yeah. Now, in the fourth quarter, when he does that, I'm happy because they all go in, especially a game like game two. But, you know, it, I do get surprised in the sense that his talent doesn't sometimes equate how much he's just like, you know, just just banking them off. I don't know. Like they're just they're not they're not going in well and he's not shooting well, especially in those beginning. And I, to me, it really is more that volume. I just think that it's sometimes and of course other times like it was in the fourth quarter last night of course really important but i think sometimes that volume just is not necessary and then he just but then because he keeps missing he has a feel the need to keep going to until something starts working and whereas you know you can kind of take a step back i mean you got the two-time mvp on the court with you most of the time so i just think that you know i'm I'm not surprised because he does shoot that quantity all the time it's just more about if he makes it or not 
Gotcha. Nelson, talk to us. How do you feel about just watching Jamal last night, man? Oh, dude, I mean, uh, the Murray flurry, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what we got last night, and it couldn't have come at a better time, and I think it was contagious in some ways. Um, you know, the MPJ hit the three as well. Um, I think Bruce Brown hit a crucial three. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, so you've really, really, um, I guess it's not unexpected from Jamal at this stage. I just think he's a big time player. His um, playoff numbers, I think he averaged, well, he averaged 20 points a game um, in the regular season. I believe he's up to 26 points a game uh, during the playoffs. We've seen that constantly where he's a much more intense player during the playoffs. And that it's even like you said, I hate the whole bubble Murray thing. Cause I feel yeah. like he gets compared he to the, yeah, yeah. He gets he compared to it all the time. Oh, they, there's the bubble Murray. And it's like, we, can you just stop with the bubble Murray stuff? And let's just talk about Jamal Murray, the, the really um, fine young basketball player that he is and dynamic player. I mean, he looked like a combo of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant last night. And I know that's a, that's a high praise, but I mean, he, he took over the game and, um, and he has that uh, ability to do that. So I think he, um, he's proving all the doubters out there wrong. He's like, Hey, I feel like I'm a better player than a lot of players in this league. And when I see these lists, I'm just like, really? Like, how come I'm not on that list? And I think he's trying to prove a point in that sense, not necessarily by, what what's going on but just the fact that he's such a primetime performer yeah for sure harrison you just you just said that jamal murray hates hearing the the bubble murray stuff right um because of course we know the type of player that he's capable of but what do you see you know just from from you know be seeing it up close um and and hearing certain things in these pressers um what else are you hearing from players like or, or just jamal in general about this bubble murray thing Um, I mean, I think when it comes to the bubble Murray thing, he looks at it as disrespect just because um, I think now he actually thinks he's better than he was in the bubble and a lot of his teammates do. And his stats are actually pretty identical. He's actually averaging more points per game in this playoffs than he did in the 2020 bubble playoffs. Um, I think he just looks at it as if people compare him to that, it puts a cap on what he can do and he wants to become a better player, you know, than he was in the bubble. And and he thinks he's doing that this season. And he also just thinks like bubble Murray as this like mythical person. He's like, nah, man, like (laughs) that's me. That's I'm the same guy. Um, So yeah, he hates that. Um, I asked him a question about that. I think it was against the Minnesota series and he shot back at me. So he's not a fan (laughs) of it, but I mean, what Jamal, like he just has it. He has that it factor. He has that, unquantifiable clutch gene that some of the greatest players in NBA history have. And being in the building last night, it was just one of those nights from him where, you know, he's getting the ball every possession, you know, he's going to shoot it and you know, it's probably going in and there's nothing that the defense can do about it. Yeah. And um, it's an incredible thing to watch. It's, it's really not like anything else that any Nuggets player does. Um, it's just different. And um, he's he's special in those moments, and he and he lives for those moments too. Like Jamal Murray lives for the playoffs. So 
Um, overall, I'm just really happy for him because he's been through a lot. Like that rehab must have sucked. Missing the last two playoffs must have sucked. Yeah. And I'm just happy for him that he's back on this stage and live in these moments again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And he doesn't, he hasn't, I don't think he's really um, had anybody in this series or the last series, although I certainly thought Shamit was um, fairly aggressive with him on the defensive end. But so far in the first two games here, the Lakers have no solution for him. Um, Vanderbilt is too big. He's a great defender. I would think we would all agree with that or a good defender, but that's not a good matchup for him, um, for Jared Vanderbilt. And I think Murray can take advantage of that situation. And then there's really no one else on that team. Like Tory Craig, I thought was really uh, effective against him as well. And then we've talked about the Minnesota series as well. So, I to me he there's nobody that can really stop Jamal except for Jamal and True. um yeah. I think he's uh proving us all that that he is um an amazing um you know Robin to Batman or however you want to term it but their two man game obviously is unstoppable and one of the best two man games in the league if not the best yeah, yeah. With Vanderbilt, you run into the same problem that the Suns did with Josh Akogi. Like, Vanderbilt's a really good defender. He's just a zero on the offensive end of the floor. Right, right. So there's a cap on how many minutes he can really play. Speaking of zeros on the offensive floor, it really seems like our friend Christian Brown is struggling on the offensive end. Uh, He only had five minutes last night. Um, He clearly seems like his confidence is waning. Um Jack mentions, um, you know, Jeff Green, uh, who's also, you know, not done a lot offensively. I think he's kind of a glue guy, probably, um, from the defensive side of things and just from doing the right thing kind of a feel. Harrison, is am I reading into that wrong or is that your take? And because I almost feel like, would they ever consider bringing in Zeke or, um, you know, Thomas Bryan into the mix to maybe mix things up. Obviously, Reggie Jackson surprisingly got into the game last night, was not necessarily all that effective, but it was, I was kind of shocked to see him. Obviously, there was foul problems. So that's probably why that happened. Yeah, I think the foul trouble with KCP is why Reggie Jackson got in there. They just needed another guard and he was next up. I agree with what you're saying about Christian. He's definitely. He he's looked shook in the playoffs, especially the last you know couple games. Um, you can tell he's just a little bit rattled, especially on the offensive end. Um, you know the three point shot is is sketchy right now. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been good around the rim. He's passed up some of those looks when he's driving to the rim that he would have tried to finish earlier in the playoffs. So. It's definitely concerning, and you know where the Nuggets bench is at right now. It feels like there's one guy you can trust off it. It feels like right. they're six deep right now, and that's Bruce Brown. Right. Um, will they switch anything up rotation-wise in Game Three? No, um, because they won Game Two. Um, will they go to? I know you threw out Thomas Bryant. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling you how it is. I'm just no, no, you're good. No, you're it's good. good. It's good. <laughs> this is, yeah, these are our own little fantasies in our head. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think, like, I was thinking last night, though, wouldn't Zeke Naji be the perfect Rui Hachimura matchup? Like, those yes. guys are very similar just mm-hmm. in terms of um, height, kind ability, of yeah, body, yeah. athleticism. Mm-hmm. Zeke is a really good defense. I, I feel like that matchup would make sense. I don't think Michael Mullen is going to think seriously about that until they drop a game. Um, so we'll see what happens in game three, but um, I think they'll be rolling with the same three guys off the bench to start game three at least. Um, but the the bench has been sliding and in kind of a downward spiral ever yeah. since game three of the Sun Series. They were great in the Minnesota Series. They were great in games one and two against Phoenix, and ever since then it's been downhill. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, now I'm I'm everything you just said, Harrison. You answered the question that I was going to ask because, well, two two of them. I was obviously going to bring up the Thomas Bryant thing, um, just for a couple reasons. Um, you know, a big body, different things like that. But you said it. The Nuggets are up two zero. Um, I just thought, you know, going into the series, that one moment where Michael Malone is like, "All right, Thomas, this this." This was the team you you played for before. They let you go. Here's here's your your 10 minutes. Go handle your business, right? Like I think a lot of fans were talking about that prior to the series, but like Nelson said, it is a little it is a fantasy in our heads right now, but it would be interesting to see him, you know, touch the floor and score over Anthony Davis. You know, I think that would be kind of cool to watch. Um, but I did mention to you before the show um, that I had a question for you uh, from Matia Bojevic, um, but you actually just answered the question. He was actually going to ask you, obviously now going into game three um, with the Nuggets up 2-0, going on the road in L.A., what, if you were Michael Malone, what would you change, right? What would you change? And, and you actually answered it talking about even with Zeke and different things. But um, just for the question itself, is there anything else that you – that you would change in the lineup or anything that, that you would kind of move around just to kind of secure at least one of these, these wins in the next two games for the nuggets on the road. I think there'd be some tweaks I would make. Um, The Jeff green minutes have been really iffy. Yeah. He was only a minus one last night. um, So Denver survived them, but um, (laughs) (laughs) the, the problem with taking Jeff out of the rotation is He's guarding LeBron in his minutes. Right. You know, he, he's guarding LeBron when, when he's on the floor. And if you think about like maybe sliding Michael Porter to the four in some of those lineups, then, you know, is it going to be MPJ guarding LeBron James? Um, I, I think if, you know, you look at that bench unit, the only guy that I like really would trust that's not playing minutes right now is Vlatko. I, I just think he, he's a solid defender. He knows his role. He's going to fit in. He's going to play hard. He's not going to make mistakes. Um, I, I think he's the only guy that's not playing right now that I would trust. But the Nuggets have kind of gotten to a point, and Mike Mullen's gotten to a point with his bench where there's just not a lot of guys that you feel good about because yeah. these guys haven't played. Um, so that's just kind of where Denver's at. I, I don't want to jump ahead, but I have a question. What do you what do you think it's going to take or what do you see happening? I know I'm jumping ahead, so bear with me, but he's such an important piece to this puzzle. What do you think is going to happen with with Bruce Brown? I know that obviously he's got a, hit, a player option for next year. 
Um, but he's such a key contributor. Um, what do you think is going to end up happening with that? Um, do you think he leaves getting more money? Do you think the Nuggets try to to keep him around? What What's your take on that? I think he's leaving for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, it, and it sucks, but with how his contract is and the deal he signed, there's only a certain amount of money that the Nuggets can offer him. And I just think he's going to get some big time offers oh, yeah. after He's this playoff run. Money. Yeah, for sure. And what do you think that'll be at Harrison? Where do you think his money, what do you think his numbers will end up at? Will it be 20 million a year or 18 million? Like, I mean, there's talk of Austin Reeves getting <laughs> four years, 50 four years <laughs> for 50 million. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have Bruce Brown than Austin Reeves. Um, yeah. So I think you're looking in that range. Gotcha. Interesting. Wow, man. So that'll be an interesting Nuggets bench bench next year because isn't Zeke also going to be a free agent? And so you're really just talking about um, Christian Braun and and Watson as kind of the two remaining returning players. Obviously, all five starters will be back. But is that what you're seeing also as, as a possibility? Yeah, I think there's a great chance Christian Brown fills the Bruce Brown role. Um, Zeke has one more year on his deal. Oh, okay. They obviously didn't sign him to an extension or anything. I think they should trade Zeke this summer. I think they should do him a favor and give him a new opportunity to carve out a role because I just don't think it's going to happen here. Um, I, so I think they should you know, trade Zeke this summer. Um, so, yeah, I think part of the bench next year will be Christian Brown and Peyton Watson. And then there will probably be, you know, a veteran or two mixed in there. But, yeah, the bench is kind of a question mark heading into next year. Interesting. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, guys, we're we're, we're about to, to get up out of here. Um, but I wanted to – now that the Nuggets are up 2-0 in this series, right? I know everybody made – predictions prior to the series i know personally i had the nuggets in seven um going into this series now but i'll be absolutely honest with you guys my thoughts have changed now because of what i saw in the previous two well obviously these two games that the nuggets have won because the way i see it is this if the nuggets grab any of these games these next two it's nuggets in five like that's that's just where i am now because i can't i can't picture the nuggets not closing it out at home if they secure at least one of these wins. So that's where I see it. Jack, um, wh- what is your prediction now for this series after you've seen the Nuggets go up 2-0? You stole my thunder, but that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, Nuggets in five if they if they can win in L.A. I mean, shout out to Matt, you know, and, and our great guests there. And I always yeah. think about that because every single series they've been up 2-0. So yeah. I think that they go into L.A., and they they snatch that at least one if they if they sweep them I don't know what kind of riots would happen oh man that but, would be uh, something for I me. would be overjoyed <laughs> no but realistically yeah I I think the the Lakers will definitely take care of at least one game in L A but I really hope Nuggets can can re can really grab that little sneaky win in there gotcha Nelson talk to us what's your prediction yeah right I now? mean I think um, everyone's been talking about this is that you're seeing. Um, role players really perform a lot better at Mm -hmm. home. Um, So we're hearing that constantly. And I think it's true. Um, Although certainly 
Um, Jeff Green and Christian have not picked up on that vibe yet. Um, so, but I think the Lakers honestly win the next two in wow. um, Los Angeles. I see, I just see a very similar situation to the Phoenix series where um, two and two, the Nuggets hold serve three and two. And then the Nuggets win and surprise the world uh, in game six. So I would say Nuggets in six. All right. Harrison, um, give us give us your prediction as well as once you get done with that, just let everybody know. Not that they don't already know where to find you, because, I mean, every time you get on Twitter now, you see Harrison's name all over. I've seen your posts on ESPN and all these different places. So um, give us just your current prediction as of right now. And obviously just tell everybody where to find you and all your stuff. So I picked Nuggets in five when this series started, and I wrote an article about why I picked Nuggets in five, and I got ratioed to hell. (laughs) (laughs) I I expected it. I mean, I expected it. They should ratio me for that. Um, If the Nuggets win in five, I'm going to take the biggest victory lap you guys. As you should. As you should. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) I mean, I could – I with Nelson, I could see the the Lakers winning these next two. I really could. Um, Yeah. Game three is going to be the toughest game of the playoffs for the Nuggets to win. Like yeah. the Nuggets are going to have to play their best game of the playoffs to win game three. I think um, everything's going to be on the Lakers side, you know, but um, at, at this point, I got to stick with Nuggets in five. I think they split these two games and win it in five at home. Love it. Love it. Isn't love it, it strange though, Harrison? I actually agree with you, but like that it is going to be the hardest game, but somehow to me, like, it feels to me that they would have a better chance to win game three, strangely enough, than game four. And and maybe I'm wrong about that. That's just my gut. But I think for some reason that they could shock them maybe a little bit in that scenario. But, I, you know, again, I'm predicting that the Lakers will win the next two games. But for me, it feels like if they're going to shock the world, it would maybe happen in game three. I think it could because you got a a bunch of things going the Nuggets way. The fatigue factor, again, just one day off in between every game this series. That was a close, hard-fought physical game in game two that wore both teams down. And also, like, I don't know what other adjustments the Lakers have to go to. And this is a similar thing that happened in the Sun series. I think the Lakers played their best card in the fourth in, quarter of game, game one. one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where they adjust to now. Um, Anthony Davis is probably going to play better. Role players play better at home, even though Austin Reeves has looked pretty great in these last two games in Denver. But definitely, there's it's on the table that the Nuggets take game three. It'll be interesting to see, guys. Um, obviously, the the it's, it's kind of stacked against the Nuggets going into game three. Um, Nelson, but I will tell you this. The biggest thing that the Lakers or the Nuggets have is the fact that all of the pressure is now on the Lakers to win game three. All of it, because if they if they go into that game and they play tight and they don't hit their shots and I'm talking about their starters like Anthony Davis. I know we've been seeing his graph of his performances, right, is up, down, up, down, up, down. And of course, last night was technically a down game for him. So we got to expect another up game. But but I think the the saving grace is. He had a really good up game in game one. 
He did. Yeah. He did have. But I will tell you guys, man, that was probably the most quiet 40 point game I've seen. And Jokic has had some some 40 point games where it's just like, man, he really had 40 because you see him, you know, contribute in all these other categories. But it just didn't seem like he had, like his 40 points in game one just did not seem as impactful as it usually would, uh, you know, at least the way that I saw it. So it will be interesting. But I'll tell you, he has to play well in game three no matter what anthony davis has to play one of the best games of his life um so does lebron you know all these different factors have to come into play they have to get better play from dennis schroeder and Rui has to play better too so we will see how that is goes. that possible dude i mean that guy was on first yeah i mean give me a break <laughs> Rui played guy's, really well that guy's sure. killing me yeah, he's uh he's played really well in the first two games and and I mean if he can play if he plays even better in game three, maybe they have a chance. I don't I know. I mean D'Angelo Russell has to play a good game for them. He's been yeah, he's been completely vacant from this series to date. Yeah. He has all the pressure on him right now, and he knows that going back to LA, he has to perform because obviously if you guys already know, this ain't his first time in LA, and those LA fans will turn on him again. Right. It is not is not their first rodeo with him. And they they got him out of town the first time around. So he knows he all they want is good play from him. Not none of the off court stuff that he's done. None of that. Um, but listen, guys, this this has been a great conversation. Harrison, we appreciate you being on here. We know you're a super busy guy and doing a lot of different things with the team. Um, but just being on here, just, you know, just tell everybody where to find your stuff. I know you do a lot of work with, you know, the just the DNVR um, sports bar. Like I would love, I got to come out there, man. I know Jack talked about it, you know, you know, throwing shots at me because I live out in the Springs, Um, but but I I definitely, uh, definitely got to make my way out to, uh, to the DNVR sports bar, but Harrison, just let everybody know where to find you. Um, Any cool projects you're, you're working on soon. Just let us know. Yeah, man, you got to come out to the bar. Just let me know. Um, But yeah, yeah, you can, I mean, all my writing, the DNVR.com and, you know, our pregame and postgame shows are going crazy right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. On the DNVR YouTube channel. So check those out. Very and I'm cool. going to L.A. tomorrow. So oh, wow. hey, nice, 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 nice. Very cool. Um, anybody, anybody had any final questions, any final takes before we headed out of here? Nelson, Jack, anything? No, we're good. Go Nuggets. Well, listen, that's how we end our show all the time. Go Nuggets. So for everybody that's listening right now, um, Obviously, we are all hoping the best for this Nuggets team. This is this is a chance that the Nuggets cannot let slip, right? You're up 2-0 with the opportunity to go to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. You cannot play around with this. Get it done and keep it moving. But until next time, this is Denver Hoops and Dreams. Peace.